Welcome to the Renegade Nutrition Podcast, where we discuss all things wellness. I'm Eleni Welch, nutritionist. And I'm Kay Boyer, health enthusiast. Welcome back, Renegades. Welcome, Renegades. Welcome to another week of Smart Things with Eleni. I'm ready for this. I'm mm. feeling I'm feeling spry this morning, Eleni. Spry. I am back on the yoga train. I took I took a couple weeks sabbatical. Um, but I'm back. So I'm feeling good. Good. Yep. I took a walk this morning and it was gorgeous. It is gorgeous out. Sunny. It was like 30. So it was like crisp. Yes. And then I walked around the lake and there's all this steam rising off of the lake. Cool. And then the sun was out. So I I sat and I, whenever I can meditate outside, I meditate outside and I have this particular spot by the lake that I like to meditate. So I got yeah. to do that this morning. Ugh. So it was like a beautiful walk outside and, and then it was just quiet outside. meditation outside <sighs> in the sunshine. And there's like, you can hear all the birds and all the grass yes. rustling. So I feel yes. good too. I lo- Guys, we are at full capacity today. We are here <laughs> at our best selves giving you some good information. Yeah, we, we only give you the best. That's right. <laughs> yes, yes. We don't always come in. The- Sometimes we come in a hot mess. No, but- okay. We only give them the best. We only <laughs> I mean, you get the first, the best of us, and we always have it together. <laughs> totally kidding. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, wow. no, it seemed necessary because today's topic is cold and flu season mm-hmm. and how to survive cold and flu season, which yep. is funny because I'm literally at the tail end of a cold right now. <laughs> if you listen yep. to our seasonal depression podcast, you could hear me kind of like hacking, hacking a few times. <laughs> that time of year, folks, mm-hmm. for beautiful walks and hacking. And hacking. But I will say this episode is not about trying to avoid ever getting a cold or a flu because yeah. obviously that's impossible. Yeah. You're going to get a cold and a flu and yeah. it's good. You need to be exposed seasonally to different viruses to different bacteria in order to build your immune system so nobody's never going to get a cold again that actually wouldn't be that healthy for you okay the point of the episode is to help you get through the cold or the flu at the best rate with the best success possible oh i like it yes so i follow all my principles and clearly i'm not immune to colds and flus in fact (laughs) i mean to be fair i i babysit my friend's child he's almost two years old and i watch him on mondays and he had a cold and was coughing in my face literally all day which is what kids like and literally in your face yeah it's like they're playing and they're totally like running in the different direction and then they run back towards you and cough in your face and then go back to what they were doing It's like they have like a magnet for like <laughs> your just, face. They're like, I need to help your immunities. Like they're just yeah, know, so spreading the love, spreading the germs, spreading the love. So the so. fact that I I got it was not surprising to me, <laughs> but I started my protocols right after. I, I'm gonna avoid your face today, though. Thank okay? you. Okay, I'm gonna avoid coughing in yours. <laughs> Thank too. you. Thank but you. I may stop and take water drinks. And to be fair, I mean, so now I have a cough, and that's pretty much all it ever became. So yeah, it's yeah. annoying, but it's not like it turned into something terrible and drastic, which is what I want to help you guys with today. Yes. Are all the things that keep it nice and mild, even if it kind of lingers around. Sometimes the cold weather and the shift and all of that is yeah. like it might be unavoidable. 
you're going to get sick, but I'm going to help you get through it the best that you possibly can. Yep. That's the idea. This is like that radical acceptance that your sister, the psychologist, helped us with. Yeah. Just accept, accept the cold and get through it and make it the best you can. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's like life lessons right It's going to happen. Yeah. Otherwise, your immune system is dead. If you're not getting any cold or flus, oh. I don't think your immune system is functioning. I mean, if you're not detecting any symptoms from it. So oh, Yeah. Unless you're like so Superman about it that you like fight it off right away. I don't know. Okay. I don't know anybody I, who's like that. Okay. You're right. <laughs> if you're out there, contact us and you can host the next episode on cold and flu season. <laughs> DM us, Superman. We're here. <laughs> All right. Well, so this episode is for boosting your immune system for the cold and flu season. Um, and I wanted to start out by going through basically just introducing you to what a cold and a flu is, are what that means. So you're familiar with the terms because a lot of times they get used kind of interchangeably, but they're not the same thing and they have different approaches. So we're going to cover the bases and then we'll go into how to prevent severe colds, how to prevent severe flus, and if you do get sick, how to get through it gracefully. Mm -hmm. So according to CDC estimates, I can't ever do an episode without giving you guys facts. Mm-hmm. Americans suffer approximately 30 million cases of the flu per year. Ooh, wee. Yeah. I, I, myself, I'm like 29 <laughs> of those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and t- the typical American adult gets two to three colds <clears throat> per year. That's yeah, okay, not that's unusual. Bad. Okay. That's more accurate. Okay. And for children, the range of six to eight is more typical because kids are petri dishes yes for germs yes i would say especially when i first had my kids go to daycare they got so sick right away and then like the first few like the first month of school everyone is sick until they can all kind of get acclimated yeah they like all share each other's germs build up their immune systems again um the main thing that we think contributes to the fact that around this time of year around the fall and winter season why colds and flus get worse is there's a decrease in sunlight exposure so that means less fresh air, less vitamin D, mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. that good stuff. <clears throat> There's reduced outside time, reduced uh, or increased stress, and seasonal depression. So those are some factors that increase the prevalence of colds and flus during flu season, which mm-hmm. now you can go back and listen to our seasonal depression episode mm-hmm. to make sure What's you overcome week? that part too. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, so let's discuss what we mean by a cold or a flu Um, so that you understand which one you have and what approach you should take to address it. So a cold is an acute self-limiting viral infection of the upper respiratory tract. That is what I have. I have a cold. Um, It less commonly comes with the fever and the resulting aches and pains and chills than the flu. So typically when the flu comes on, you get that fever, you get those aches and pains, you get like the jaw pain, the like lymph node pain. Yep. That sort of a thing. That's not very common with a cold. Mm-hmm. A cold will kind of come on like-minded. Runny nose, congestion. I was super stuffy for like a day or two. And then a cough that kind of like can hang around. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> colds can be caused by more than 200 different viruses. Mm. And those are the ones we know about. There's probably thousands, frankly, that we just don't know about. Um, with coronaviruses and rhinoviruses being the most frequent culprits. Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. coronaviruses existed before 2020 did you all know that <laughs> oh <laughs> they are the most common cause of the common cold oh yeah okay i didn't know that but oh yeah really? they are like one of the longest living single strand rna viruses 
Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, it wreaked havoc, so I get it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We just paid attention to them for the first time starting in 2020, but they have been around since the dawn of time, and we have been getting them since our existence on Earth. Crazy. Um, The sheer number of cold-causing viruses in existence means that the body has a hard time building up resistance to them, which is why we don't have any cure for the common cold. Because if you think about it, whatever virus I have right now that caused this cold, I'm probably not going to see that one again because there's thousands more that I could be exposed to anytime, day or night. Okay, that makes sense. Which is why you keep getting them from year to year. And it's not like the chicken pox where you get it once and you have this immunity. It's like there's just all different kinds of viruses. And so you're going to be exposed to different viruses and your body will have to develop immunity to the different viruses. So theoretically, if somebody got sick like with a thousand different viruses, they could become immune to the cold. But I don't think that happens because especially those (laughs) single strand RNA viruses, they mutate so easily. Like the coronaviruses are one of the easily, most easily mutated viruses. So even what's in existence today is not what's going to be in existence next year because they all mutate and change. Wow. Mm. Okay. Things I didn't know. Right. Which is why we prior to 2020, never tried to come up with any sort of vaccination for coronaviruses because they mutate so easily and there's just no way to keep up with them, which we have since proved to be true. So um, the common cold spreads through hand contact with an infected person by touching a contaminated object they've handled or by encountering aerosolized droplets released during a sneeze or cough. So if you're watching a two-year-old child (laughs) and you're touching their hands and then you just inevitably touch your face or your mouth or your eyes or whatever or they touch your face and your (laughs) eyes and your mouth (laughs) which seems also inevitable then that's that's what i mean by contact transmission so it's not like just touching the surface it absorbs into your body and gives you the cold you would touch the surface and then you touch some sort of membrane whether it's your nose or your mouth or your eyes yep um With the flu, on the other hand, that's a contagious viral respiratory infection that is often quite mild, but can become very severe. So a cold does not become a severe illness. A flu can become a severe illness. Um, Flus tends to be more unpleasant with the fevers, aches, and chills, that just Mm. general crappy, achy feeling. And humans are primarily affected by influenza viruses A and B. Okay. Okay. Anyway. Um, Yeah. So like the common cold, the flu is spread by virus-laden airborne droplets. It is spread when people cough or sneeze or talk or sometimes by contact transmission, especially in the case of things like norovirus. Yes. Which like tends to pop up on cruise ships, which is pretty miserable. Mm -hmm. Norovirus really is one that's contact transmission. That's one of the most virulent contact transmission viruses that you can get because you touch a surface and you can pretty much just get norovirus which is why it's so nasty Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um for the majority of people when they feel those first signs of a cold or flu they may head into the doctor they may stay at home they may a lot of people use home remedies um if you head to the doctor then they're just kind of going to reflexively prescribe a medication whether it's an antiviral medication remember antibiotics will not work in the case of a cold or flu because they are viral mm-hmm. illnesses as opposed to bacterial illnesses yep um so we may reach for over-the-counter pharmaceuticals such as decongestants or antihistamines 
and non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs like ibuprofen and aspirin. That's typically the home remedies people reach for Mm -hmm. if they're in the more conventional way of treating things as opposed to the more holistic way. Um, However, a lot of evidence indicates that those drugs don't do anything to shorten the duration of the illness or prevent illness in the first place. They simply suppress the symptoms. So you're still sick. Um, You just aren't feeling as bad, which... Maybe the goal of taking it, though. Right. Right. Just, yeah. If you have to go to work and function, then, yeah, you... It makes sense to take something to suppress the symptoms. But just remember, it's important to have that distinction. You are not treating the illness. You are masking the symptoms. So I think it's always worth noting Mm -hmm. that when we're talking about those medications again. If you have to go to work and you have to function, you have to give a presentation, then yeah. But you're still sick and now you're going to your workplace and you're exposing all your coworkers to your illness, which... Even prior COVID was one of my biggest pet peeves. Okay. People would come to work sick sick, or to school sick because I'm like, I don't want to get what you have. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> thank you for coming and sharing it. I don't know why you thought you were so important that you had to be here today <laughs> and expose everybody else. But like, yeah, here we I don't are. share that viewpoint. Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> I love the sassy side of you, Eleni. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a big pet peeve for a long time. At least COVID made people really conscious of it and now I feel like after that people are more apt to stay home when they're sick which we should have been doing in the first place because first of all for you personally the number one thing you can do when you're sick is stay home and and rest rest Rest. going to work even if you have a like desk job is not resting you need to give yourself that mental and physical break yeah A lot of the drugs that people take to suppress those cold and flu symptoms of note also is that they cause a lot of long-term side effects. They can be really damaging to the gut. So they're not the best option, but I get it if you need to function. And and then like use them sparingly then. Don't just use it like candy, right? Like, oh, I got a little bit of a cough, pop in the pill. Like slow down, use it only if it's really necessary. Right. And remember, again, antibiotics combat viruses, they're not, or combat bacteria, not viruses. So they're not effective for colds and flu. So if you have a cold or a flu and somebody is prescribing you an antibiotic, which surprisingly happens quite a bit. Oh, oh. Then you need to like second check that. Okay. Um, Instead, you may find yourself being prescribed an antiviral drug if you go to the doctor like Tamiflu, but there are problems with this too, because... The, it's not just bacteria that are becoming resistant to pharmaceutical interventions. Viruses also are developing drug resistance. And recent research has revealed that influenza A, vi- vi- influenza A virus can quickly acquire resistance to anti-influenza drugs by mutating the viral components. So again, taking a bunch of drugs just to not have symptoms is actually making things worse because we're creating like antiviral resistance basically this is where teenage mutant ninja turtles actually came <laughs> <Yeah>. from yep. <laughs> and this poses a problem for the conventional medical system which relies on antiviral drugs to treat severe flu cases so that's where medications they have their limitations they can be helpful i'm yep. not saying if you're feeling miserable to not do anything about it but what I want to do in this episode is give you a whole list of natural things you can do that don't have side effects of their own 
that don't create antiviral resistance and a bigger problem in the long run. And that will help you feel better just as quickly as yes. some of these over-the-counter remedies. Ooh, mm. I've got some good ones at home too that I'm going to see if they're in your list. But um, also thinking of that, Eleni, mm. and fevers. Okay, so then what's your thought on on fevers? Yeah, well, I mean... A fever is your body's natural response to being sick. It helps heat your body up to kill the virus. And so having a fever is a good thing as long as it doesn't get too high. Okay. So yes. anything up to like 103 is totally normal and natural. When I had COVID, I had a fever of like 103.5 and I just let my body Okay. rock it yep because guess what i only felt sick for like 24 hours because that's yep. what your body needs to do to, to fight, fight the virus and i know that for kids that can feel a little bit scary and i'm not advertising negligence right right but up to 103 is is normal and kids yeah. kids their bodies need to learn how to appropriately respond to viral infections and so having a fever allows their body to fight it on its own and yeah. so when you just reach for the anti-fever medications right away, then you're not allowing their body to go through the process of effectively fighting that cold or flu, and they're going to have it for much, much longer because you're taking out their number one defense system, which is bringing the body to a temperature that kills the virus. Yeah, yeah. We, same, I, I do that where I wash my kids at, at, yeah, 101, 102, we're all good, 103, I'm really watching, and then I take the temperature more often, and then anything higher than that, then I start doing the ice bath, and the and we've taken in our kids to the doctor then to, because we know protein de denatures at 104, um, so once your brain's at that temperature, you really got to watch that, but you're right, that 102, 103, like, yeah, let your body, and just keep watching it, we, I, take their temps every hour and check mm -hmm. on it and yeah yeah so keeping an eye on it with kids is important and then like Kay said for sure anything above 103 you just want to take them to the doctor because that gets pretty miserable too and there becomes a point where you're you're kind of breaching into an unsafe zone yeah and so you do want to watch that because at some point the cons outweigh the pros of yeah. letting their body naturally fight it if yeah. it becomes dangerous if it's becoming too high then right you need to yeah do right. something about it you need to yeah. get them some some fever reducing medication or get them in a cold bath put some cold compresses on them yeah. you don't want them to get into that danger zone but for the most part most illnesses Right. won't reach that point. Right. Or the 102. We see 101, 102 in our household a lot more. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And 103, I I mean, I've been sick over the years. 103 with COVID was the highest I had seen in a while. But I remember being a kid and getting sick with like strep throat and all that stuff and getting up to like 104. I mean, I remember seeing you those okay. temperatures you did on the okay. thermometer. Yep. So I think like your brain is safe to a certain that's just kind of the like red zone where it's like right. okay it's time to go do something about yeah. it so there's some safety factors built into that yes yeah and certainly every parent just has to do what they're comfortable with every yeah. person has to do what they're comfortable with so if it's creating anxiety yeah. so like watch that fever rise then just go do something about it that's fine yeah. like you're not yeah. a bad parent like right. you're just acting on your own instincts everybody has to trust their own intuition trust what's best for them what's best for their kids what's best for their own body so yeah yeah there's no right or wrong way to handle it but i do think that as a society we are so quick yeah we're so quick the yes to give yep to to 
try and reduce the fever, try yeah. and reduce the symptoms. When like, oh, in, fever's bad, fever's bad. Yeah. Like, wait, 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 no, a high fever is bad. High fever is bad. A low fever is good. Yeah, natural yeah. and part of your body's natural. Again, your body, we wouldn't have survived this long if our body didn't know how to, <laughs> yeah. how to handle a basic cold or flu. So trusting our body's wisdom that it was created with to handle the situation, I think is important. Yeah, but, yeah that's smart. <clears throat> But anyway, yes, absolutely. But as far as preventing the cold and flu, here are some things that can really help. If you're getting sick a lot, these are things that you might want to consider looking at to help bolster your immune system, your kid's immune system, because just like getting sick a few times a year is normal, it's not normal to be getting sick more than two or three times per year. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. That, that means your immune system is not functioning optimally. And kids, I know it's common for them to get sick more often, but I still don't think that's normal. I think the reason why kids get sick so often is because their immune systems are so compromised because from birth, we're subjecting them to all sorts of toxins. And mm-hmm. so I think it's just more common for kids to get sick so often that we've kind of just become calloused about it. Mm-hmm. But in reality, it's a sign that their immune system isn't functioning optimally. So getting sick a couple times per year is is expected but getting sick every month is not normal that's that's a sign of an unhealthy immune system so hey there renegades elaney here briefly interrupting this episode of the renegade nutrition podcast i wanted to highlight a company that Kay and i have recently discovered that we love and that company is bulletproof bulletproof sells high quality nutritional supplements And every product that Kay and I have tried from them personally, we have found to be excellent. It's important when you choose a supplement that it contain the bioactive forms in order for it to be effective, and Bulletproof has just the right forms in just the right amounts. Right now, if you go to bulletproof.com and use the code RENEGADE15 at checkout, you can receive 15% off your order. That's RENEGADE. R-E-N-E-G-A-D-E-15. Use that code at checkout to get 15% off and we'll earn a small commission too. Thanks for your support. All right, back to this week's episode of the Renegade Nutrition Podcast. Some of the things that you can do to bolster your immune system are to avoid common food toxins. The worst offenders are gluten, refined grains, processed foods, sugar, inflammatory seed oils, and soy. Mm Mm-hmm. Food toxins provoke an immune reaction that can make us more vulnerable to foreign invaders like bacteria and viruses. They can damage our gut and our gut microbiome and 70 to 80% of our immune system at least resides in our gut. So our gut health is very, very important for immune health. So if we are damaging our gut, which Mm -hmm. a lot of us are every single day, our immune system is going to be compromised. A nutrient-dense, toxin-free diet is basically the way to go. So focus on eating the rainbow and getting plenty of high-quality animal proteins and fats. Some foods to emphasize can include bone broth, which is rich with easily absorbable minerals such as magnesium, phosphorus, sulfur, and trace minerals. Um, and that can really help repair the gut. And it's also part of why it just feels so nice to have bone broth when you're not feeling well. Yeah. I think grandma, grandma's wisdom. Yeah, it does feel so comforting and the warm. Yeah. So knowing that 70 to 80% of your immune system resides in your gut, drinking and consuming a product that really 
boosts the health of your gut, like bone broth, makes sense as a first line of defense Mm -hmm. against colds and flus. Fermented foods and probiotics can also be really helpful if you have intestinal dysbiosis, so like an imbalanced gut bacteria microbiome, or if you have poor gut flora, then you're more likely to get sick more often. And probiotics found in fermented foods like yogurt or kefir or sauerkraut or kimchi strengthen and maintain that mucosal barrier in our intestine, and which like is our first line of defense against pathogens. Um, fermented foods can also boost our natural gut microbiome because they're filled with good bacteria. Mm-hmm. And this is especially important if you've taken an antibiotic at any point. This is a pretty common cycle I've seen with children is that they get ear infections, they take antibiotics, they get more ear infections, they get lots of colds and flus because they've we've really kind of wiped out their gut microbiome. And so the kids, I'm not anti-antibiotics, they have their time and their place mm-hmm. and they can be life-saving, but I think they're over-prescribed and kind of like how we get with colds and flus where we're so nervous about our kids ever feeling sick that we just kind of douse them with yes, yes. drugs trying to... <laughs> Trying to like reduce all of their symptoms. I mean, it's not helpful in the long run. Mm -hmm. So especially if your kid's taking a lot of antibiotics, then you need to get good probiotic bacteria in them. And at that point, taking a supplement is probably important. They have lots of good children. Like the uh, children's guts look totally different in terms of the microbiome than adults do. So it's important to get a children's probiotic because it will... um, inoculate the kid's guts with what should be in a Mm -hmm. child's gut versus what's generally present in an adult and get a quality like company something just that you can get from walmart or something is not gonna be bioavailable to them right yeah yeah all supplements what you pay for is what you get there are no good cheap supplements i don't care what the company (laughs) advertises because what you're paying for when you're paying more for a supplement is typically like quality control processes and testing Um, that the company does to ensure their product has the ingredients it says it has and that the ingredients that are coming in are free of toxins and are the highest quality. So yes, invest in a quality probiotic, especially if you've been taking antibiotics. Like Mm -hmm. that's a really important way for a bunch of things, not just for protecting yourself from colds and flus, but re-inoculating your gut with healthy bacteria is Mm -hmm. one of the main things you can do to protect yourself and your child against cold and flu. Mm -hmm. Um, And then liver, consuming liver or taking liver capsules. Liver is nature's multivitamin. Mm -hmm. It's the most nutrient-dense food on the planet, as we explained in our top five most nutrient-dense foods podcast. I have yet to make myself eat liver. Okay, Okay, but the liver capsules, I could do that. Yeah. I actually find the capsules, I take the capsules for iron because I don't don't take a multivitamin with iron. That's a whole different thing. Um, But I find the capsules kind of nasty tasting. I would rather just eat like the liver blend like the oh in your meat yeah. uh-huh because <clears throat> it's and so what was mild. the brand of that one again i can't remember the exact brand but at natural grocers i buy it in the frozen section okay frozen i think it's like liver. ancestral traditions or something like that but they have blends okay ground okay. beef blends you literally you can't taste it okay um so try one of those organ meat blends my kids could taste it well or i'm gonna i'm gonna experiment on my kids yeah just don't tell week. them okay i would just mix it with a pound of hamburger so we okay. to stretch it further typically do a pound of the organ meat blend okay. and a pound of hamburger and then you can make... Put some the, taco seasoning. Yeah, MS, you can do tacos. MSG-free or, taco seasoning. Okay. 
tacos or you can do spaghetti with it or whatever. Oh, yeah. Kind of disguise I don't, it. Okay. I, I have fed it to people without them knowing that they were eating it. <laughs> Okay, if I ever multiple. eat at your house, <laughs> I multiple people. everything. <laughs> you made those like delicious, healthy cookies. I bet you put organ meats in your cookies. <laughs> <laughs> Ground up some chicken livers. You thought they were chocolate chips. It was actually yeah. chunks of chicken liver. These are like earthy. I'm going to need some grass-fed milk with this. No, okay. I have been known. I have done it on multiple occasions because I want to eat the organ meats. And if somebody's having food at my house, I'm like, well, I'm not going to not eat this. because. And it's good for them. And they have no idea. Every time I've done it, the person has had no idea. And yes. then when I tell them, they're like, I don't believe you. And so then I'll show them the package. But... <laughs> they're like, I'm either mad at you or thank you for like sneaking liver into yeah, my body. Yeah, it kind of opens their eyes to like, oh, I could totally do this at home. Okay, it's we're going to try this. Okay. Or okay. you can try something like Braunschweiger, which is an organ meat sausage. That's the word I was thinking of. That's pretty tasty. Okay. Yes, Braunschweiger I buy at on U.S. wellness meats online, okay. um, especially with a little raw goat cheddar and some Dijon mustard on a, like, I gluten-free cracker. How hippie you are. <laughs> so good. So good. Mm. That does sound good. It's good. Yeah. I'll, I'll make you some. I have a frozen one in the refrigerator, so I'll thought sometime and we'll have a little snack out okay. of it. I like it a lot. Deal. Um, as far as being preventative towards cold and flu season, another thing that you need to do is supplement. So cod liver oil or fermented cod liver oil is one of the best Mm. immune boosting supplements you can take. It's rich with the fat soluble vitamins like A, D, E, and K that regulate, excuse me, regulate and support our immune system. And it's high in fatty acids like EPA and DHA that reduce inflammation, which is an important part of maintaining a healthy immune system is reducing that overall inflammation. I just started taking Nordic Naturals. Um, uh-huh. cod liver oil that's a good brand i like nordic naturals i take okay. green pastures fermented okay. cod liver oil okay. if you buy that one i recommend the cinnamon flavor oh 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 but it's in a capsule but it's, it's the, liquid you take it liquid mm-hmm. okay i'm gonna take the capsules i've tried liquid Ooh, uh the cinnamon, cinnamon is good the cinnamon okay. is good okay. i tried the orange one and i just couldn't quite swing it yeah. so i'll put it in a glass of water and just shoot it okay <laughs> Um, these are the kinds of shots shut, I shut, do these shut, days now. Shut, shut, it's like shut, cod shut, liver shut. oil in water. <laughs> yes. You know, you know you're old when your shots are cod, cod liver, liver oil. oil. <laughs> the cinnamon, it's like a hot toddy. Yes. Hot it's so good. I like that one. So that with one I can fireball. take straight. Okay. This is a cod liver oil with fireball. This is my new. <laughs> yeah. That would absolutely undo everything you're doing to support your immune oh, system. That is not nutritionist approved. All right. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. No, I like the cinnamon flavor. I can take that one straight. It doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. Okay, 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 okay. I'll so try. Green Pastures is the brand. It comes refrigerated. I think I buy it from perfectsupplements.com. I like okay. them. They have a lot of food-based supplements. They have several brands of different fermented cod liver oils on there. The The Green Pastures brand is the one I found that was most highly recommended by a couple of different sources that I really like, like the Weston A. Price Foundation. They really recommended that brand. It's really well quality control tested. So I buy that one. And it, the fact that it's fermented doesn't make it taste any different. I know that that sounds weird and gross, but I, I don't... I like kombucha. I don't notice any difference. So on our notes, we need to write this down. Perfectsupplements.com. U.S. What was the meat one? U.S. Wellness Meats Braunschweiger. U.S. Wellness Meats. Okay. They also sell the organ meat blends. So if you don't have a natural grocers or a vitamin cottage, they're the same place. 
Um, if you don't have one of those by you, then you could buy from US Wellness Meats if you want to try those organ meat blends. And I've done both and they're both really good. Okay. This is good resources. I need to write all this mm-hmm. down. Natural okay. Grocers is just less expensive yeah, for a, a high quality product. But US Wellness Meats is a really good company. Okay. So I like to support them however I can because yes. they're doing things the right way. Yep. Um, vitamin C is another supplement that can be really helpful. Most people have heard of that. Mm-hmm. At doses of one to two grams per day, it's been scientifically shown to reduce the duration and severity of colds. Vitamin C gives our immune system a boost, a boost because it can increase our T lymphocyte activity, phagocyte function, <laughs> leukocyte mobility, which is those are our white blood cells. Yes, I know that one. And antibody and interferon production. So vitamin C helps with all of the components mm. of the immune system. Its effects on the immune system may also potentially be explained by the fact that it protects us against oxidative stress. It's an antioxidant mm. um, generated during infections. So I know that was one of the things that COVID was most dangerous for was how much oxidative stress it produced, which yeah. vitamin C can be very pro- protective against that oxidative stress. So can N-acetylcysteine, by the way. Mm. Um, I like the acerola cherry powder from Perfect Supplements because it's a food-based form of vitamin C, which is gentler on your GI system. Um, I've tried like buffered C powders or things like that, and I just cannot, I can't tolerate them personally. Oh. Vitamin C supplements tend to like upset my stomach, but the food-based one from Perfect Supplements, that cherry powder, acerola cherry powder, I like. Okay. So um, it's kind of just a nice tart powder. You just do a small amount. It's like a teaspoon or something. And I just mix that in with water and it tastes good. Okay. It's like a sour drink. Oh, I have a funny story for that. My boy was running to the bathroom one night, like hardcore, and he's like, had to go to the bathroom. He's like, mom, I, I have troubles. And I was like, what did you have today? So I had a magnesium, um, like a powder in, to make lemonade, and he put six <gasps> scoops oh. to make really good lemonade before his soccer game, oh, and he no. spent the whole night pooping his, himself. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I just thought of that as just like a funny supplement thing. Magnesium. Watch what your kids use. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was magnesium like, and vitamin oh. C are really common ones that cause that upset magnesium okay. draws water into your bowels <laughs> and so that's what gives you the loose stools so it can be really helpful if you are kind of dehydrated and you're constipated mm-hmm. but if you're well hydrated and you're not constipated it can give you the runs <laughs> and you're running to the bathroom yes and vitamin c is the same it can really upset your gi system if you're sensitive to it so those food-based ones tend to be gentler um and I, I just like using food-based whenever I can because I feel like it's the most bioavailable form. But yeah. but I, there's lots of good companies out there that make good vitamin C products that are high potency. If you're not sensitive to those forms of vitamin C, then by all means, go for it. I like it. Another one, of course, that I can't go an episode without sharing is vitamin D. No, oh, yes. We had an entire episode about vitamin D, so I'll just high-level it. But of course, it plays a powerful immunoregulatory effect in... and obviously go to that episode to learn more. It promotes the physical barrier of protection in our body, especially in the gut, by improving the upregulation of our tight junctions. So remember in our Gut Health 101, we talked about all those cells Mm -hmm. in the gut should be pressed really close together. The tight junctions should be protecting against the passage of um, bacteria and viruses in and out of the gut. So vitamin D helps make sure those cells stay nice and tight together and have that really strong barrier so that our body can selectively choose what gets into our bloodstream. 
Um, it also promotes our innate immune response as well as our adaptive immune response. So our innate immunity is the body's first line of defense against pathogens. So it's a general, non-specific type of defense, which means it doesn't differentiate between types of pathogens. Adaptive immunity is the type of immunity that is built up as we are exposed to diseases, which is why it is important that we are exposed to diseases, by the way. So you have an innate immune response and an adaptive immune response. So innate is just basically like first line of defense. It detects that something is not right. There's a protein that it doesn't recognize in the body. It calls all hands on deck and it starts attacking that protein. Mm -hmm. The adaptive immune response is when we build up antibodies to that protein. So then the next time we get sick, that adaptive immune response is the one that kicks in and has all the antibodies and protects us against that specific protein. Our bodies are brilliant. Yes, they are. Mm -hmm. And vitamin D promotes both of those defenses. Um, Cod liver oil does contain vitamin D. However, most people require higher amounts to keep their vitamin D levels in the desired range of 60 to 80 nanograms per meal. So I take cod liver oil and I still supplement with vitamin D. Um, The best dosage is around 4,000 IU to 10,000 IU per day, depending on your vitamin D status. So you should always test that and know what your levels look like personally and then supplement accordingly. And it also depends on the amount of cod liver oil you're taking if you're taking that supplement. And if I'm feeling under the weather, like I was so after watching my (laughs) friend's kid and having them cough in my face for like eight hours, I came home and took a high dose vitamin D capsule, 50,000 IU. You can do that once a day for a couple of days. It's not going to like push you over the edge or give you vitamin D toxicity or any of that. That's very, 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 very rare. Um, I have known people that accidentally took a hundred thousand IU of vitamin D every day for like months, not <laughs> not realizing that was the dose they were taking. <laughs> and they Dro- didn't get drops, it. not droppers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, they were taking drop they were instructed to take ten drops. They took ten dropper foals instead. <laughs> um and they just didn't get sick the whole winter season, but nothing bad happened to them. So <laughs> you can take high dose vitamin D. That's what I'll do if I know I've been exposed. Or like my husband and I are traveling to California tomorrow for a friend's wedding. We have the vitamin D, we call them D bombs out on our counter for us to take tonight because we're about to travel on an airplane where everyone's sick and coughing and all that air is circulating, even though they have HEPA filtration in planes most of the time. Anyway, um, and just because traveling in general can kind of affect your immune system, there's different stresses involved and time changes and all of those things that affect our immune system. So we, especially when we travel, we'll do a high dose vitamin D on the travel days. Um, And there are a number of botanicals that also have potent immune boosting effects. Things like echinacea, um, Mm -hmm. Siberian ginseng, ginger root, garlic, elderflower. Those are all really good preventative herbals. I'm not going to go into the values of each of those individually because that would really be a whole separate episode. But you can find a lot of like immune boosting supplements that have the elderberry in it or the ginger or the garlic that can be good for you. The next preventative measure is to sleep and rest, which is part of why travel can be hard. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Getting adequate sleep and rest is the most important thing you can do to optimize your immune system. Sleep and the circadian rhythm exert a strong regulatory influence on our immune functions. 
Um, Sleep status can affect how fast you recover if you do get sick. And just a few nights of not sleeping well can elevate inflammatory markers and reduce the protective capacity of your immune system, which is why it's a good idea to go to bed earlier and sleep longer and rest more in the winter season in general, but especially when you're feeling under the weather. Mm -hmm. And plus, that's what our bodies naturally want to do anyway. And then maintain a consistent sleep schedule. So we talked about this in our seasonal depression episode where sleep is such a big key to feeling well. Maintaining a sleep schedule that's consistent is important. So not staying up later and sleeping in later on the weekends because that throws off our circadian rhythm. Mm -hmm. And then number four is to wash your hands frequently. Oh, I hesitate to even say that one because I feel like we've heard it ad nauseum (laughs) (laughs) over the last few years. But um, it really the fact remains, it really is like frequent hand washing is one of the most important things you can do to protect yourself during cold and flu season. When I was getting sick a lot when I was in graduate school, when I was getting my degree at the University of Iowa, I was getting sick a lot for some reason. And I just that's the one thing I changed is I started really washing my hands carefully so when I got into the building I would wash my hands when I got to like out of a class I would wash my hands or use the bathroom of course I would wash my hands and then when I got home I would wash my hands and I stopped getting sick almost immediately I think it just was like so many students everybody's packed in and stressful the average person yes and you're stressed out because you're in graduate school You're not sleeping as much because you're staying up to do projects and homework and your thesis. And the average person touches their face literally hundreds of times per day. I just did it. Yeah. So if you're not washing your hands frequently, again, you're, you're touching a germy surface and then you might be rubbing your eyes, rubbing your nose, rubbing your mouth, and you're transmitting those germs. So washing your hands frequently can be a really effective preventative measure. I don't recommend just loading up on hand sanitizer. Um, If you do have a hand sanitizer, use a natural one because the chemical ones contain a lot of like nasty additives that can be pretty harmful to our health, Um, which is a totally different episode. But go for one that's more natural. I mean, alcohol based and essential oils. Mm -hmm. So don't don't. Yeah, don't just like swap one problem for another Uh loading up on all those nasty ingredients. And then sometimes, despite our best efforts, of course, a virus slips through your defenses and we do get sick. Um, So here are a few things you can do in addition to the things I've listed above. So everything above can be preventative and you can also start it once you get sick and it will help reduce the duration and the severity of your cold and flu. But here are a couple of additional things you can do as far as treatment goes once you get sick um, that are more for shortening the duration of a cold versus preventing it from happening in the first place. So first would be to up your intake of cod liver oil. You can double or triple your intake. You can increase your intake of vitamin D. Those are some things that you can do when you're feeling sick to help combat it. Um, Honey is something that promotes recovery from viral respiratory infections. It's been shown to be more effective than some of the top cold and flu medications um, in, in improving nightly cough and sleep quality in children with upper respiratory infections. If you have the flu and, and have nausea with it, you can try ginger, which is really helpful mm. for boosting the immune system, but also for fighting that nausea. And a ginger honey lemon tea is a really good thing. It combines oh, the ginger, yeah. it combines the honey that has that cough protecting capacity, and it also combines lemon, which has vitamin C in it. 
Um, ginger has the antimicrobial properties also, and um, uh, lemon also has a soothing quality on the sore throat, especially when it's combined with honey. Some... The Beekeepers Natural. Have you heard of that company <clears throat> with the honey? I think I have heard of them. It's I use that for the kids. They've got like a propolis. Did I say that right? And like a superfood and a cough. And they have everything. And I heard a podcast on the lady who started it um, helped cure her her immune problems um, with this. So look up Beekeepers Naturals. Yeah. Or if you can find a local source of honey, that's great. Because then it also has protective effects for allergy season. Oh, yeah. But it has to be like local, local. Like like within five minutes, five miles of you. Um, if you can have the local, like if you get bad seasonal allergies, then having honey from a really local source, that's why we keep our own bees, but having honey from a local source can help actually your body fight those allergies. Um, some other things you can add to the tea to help your body fight the cold or the flu is garlic, fresh garlic, a pinch of cayenne pepper, and other warm warming herbs like cinnamon and clove. It's not going to taste amazing at that point if you're adding garlic and pepper, But it it would be something that's helpful. So uh, I wouldn't do that for a kid because they won't touch it. Mm -hmm. But you could add cinnamon and clove to that tea and kids would probably be fine with that. But if you're an adult and you can make yourself do it, just take a couple shots of that (laughs) that combination. Um, Echinacea, again, is something you can take in as a treatment for the flu or cold. Historically, Native Americans used echinacea to treat severe infections. Um, And today, echinacea is one of the herbs that's really been studied well in clinical trials. And research has found echinacea to significantly reduce occurrence of colds as well as severity and duration of colds. Mm. One clinical trial found echinacea to be just as effective as Tamiflu, an antiviral drug, for the early treatment of influenza virus infections. Mm. However, unlike the Tamiflu, echinacea does not run the risk of inducing antiviral drug resistance. So echinacea can be consumed as a tea or a tincture or in capsules. If you take echinacea in liquid form, um, then it's important to hold the liquid in your mouth for 10 seconds before swallowing to boost the local antiviral effects on your oral tissues. Oh, okay. Smart. Okay. Um, elderberry is another thing that, uh, again, is preventative and can be a reactive treatment. The small, dark purple berries of the elderberry plant have a long history of use for cold and flu. They're very high in antioxidants. That's part of why they have that rich purple color. Elderberry extracts can help <clears throat> alleviate cold and flu symptoms and can significantly shorten the duration of illness by two to four days. Um, I always make homemade elderberry syrup every year, typically. If we have honey, which we don't this year, then I'll make a homemade syrup and I'll give it away as gifts for Christmas. So smart. Where do you get the berries? Um, So we have harvested them locally. We have elderberry plants near our house that we can go and forage from. It's a lot of work. (laughs) And you have to be really careful because when you're picking elderberries, if you pick the green ones, they're kind of toxic. So you have oh. to like sort through and pull out all the green ones, which it was fine. I did it. Yeah. Um, but since that like fresh batch that I made, I discovered I could buy from Frontier Herbs. Yeah. They have like a big like yeah, bulk, bulk yep. Yep. elderberry. You can buy it in one pound or two pound packs. 
That's what I do now. They pick out the green for you. They They pick out the green for you. (laughs) And harvesting them is a lot of work because the stems, you don't want to get the stems in it because the stems aren't that great for you. You just want the berries and they're super tiny. So you're like, we would go and harvest it and we cut all the stems and then you have to remove all the individual berries. So it just takes a lot of time Mm. and effort. We did it. It was fine. It was fun. I really enjoyed the process. I think for things like that, sometimes part of the healing um, capacity yeah. of it yeah. is just the process yeah. of slowing your life down, yep. taking time, being intentional, being present in the moment. Yeah, being outside. Exactly. Yes. It feels very natural, like our hunter yeah. and gatherer instinct in our brain. And I felt really good by the end of it. I was like, wow, this was really awesome. But then the next year I was like, okay, I don't have time to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't got time for that. <laughs> so uh, then I just buy the dried elderberries and I feel like it works just as well. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, so I'll mix syrup with the elderberries. You can look up a recipe. I can't remember what we do offhand, but mm-hmm. it's important to keep them kind of low temperature so you don't totally de- degrade all of the mm-hmm. enzymes and vitamins in them. Um, so elderberry syrup is a really palatable method for consuming elderberry and can be taken in a dosage of 15 mils up to four times a day until your symptoms get better. You can also take elderberry lozenges, Um, Because oftentimes those contain other immune boosting ingredients like zinc. Just watch the sugar content because it's rare Mm. that I see any lozenges or things like that that don't contain sugar because that's sugar is one of the ingredients that helps them harden. Mm. Which is why the honey is such a nice um, option for the elderberry syrup. It's like that's what makes it sweet. And then the honey is actually good for you. Exactly. Yeah. Um, And then elderberry is safe to consume during pregnancy and has no known drug interactions. So it's Mm. a good option if you're feeling under the weather. Mm. Garlic is another thing that can help protect against disease-causing agents, including viruses. Allicin is the compound that's released in garlic when it's crushed. Um, And that's been shown to boost immunity against cold-causing viruses. Garlic can reduce cold and flu severity by enhancing the function of immune cells and reducing virus-induced inflammation. Um, The dose of aged garlic extract used in clinical trials for colds and flus is approximately 2.5 grams per day. So the optimal doses of fresh and dried garlic for colds and flus has not really been determined, but clinical trials examining the antimicrobial properties of garlic typically use dosages between 600 and 1200 milligrams per day. So I guess you could weigh a garlic bulb if you wanted to be really precise about it. We just take it. My husband, what he likes to do is um, he heats the garlic up and then eats like the raw garlic clove really? with honey. I was wondering how this is going down. Okay. Yeah, that's how he does it. I, my stomach cannot tolerate no, that. No, no. It like burns for yeah. me, but he likes it. So he does a spoonful of honey with the garlic and heating the garlic is part of what helps reduce kind of that burning sensation with it but i just still couldn't ever do it okay we We don't have a microwave anymore and the microwave is the easiest way to do that so you can like peel the cloves poke a couple holes in them and pop them in the microwave for like 20 seconds it'll take the edge off of it there's not a great way to replicate that without a microwave and that would be like the one thing we would use a microwave for like once a year so we just don't do it but (laughs) but he'll still eat garlic raw and then i'm like please don't breathe in my face for the next two weeks (laughs) That's funny. Okay, we need a YouTube series where I can watch you guys do all this uh-huh. with my own eyeballs. And then I can be like, okay, now I can do it. But yeah. I need to see it first. We specifically grow 
Um, Siberian garlic, which is, I think that's the one we grow. That's really high naturally in allicin. It's got like Mm. some of the most concentrated allicin compounds of all garlic and it's really purple. It's a cool color. Oh, Like the skin on the outside of it is really purple. So that's why we grow it is because it's so effective. And then my father-in-law makes big batches of, um, what we call master tonic. And that is like our homegrown garlic and onions and hot peppers, hot, hot peppers, cayennes and jalapenos and serranos and all those sorts of things. Yes. And um, I think he puts in ginger, apple cider vinegar. He puts in a whole host of things. Anyway, then you age it. You like shake it a couple times a day. It ferments naturally. And then it lasts for years. We still have bottles from a few years ago. Um, that's one of the things that we take if we're feeling under the weather, which it, it burns my stomach quite a bit. So Uh I have to take it with food. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. You take honey first and that coat your lining, coat your throat. Yeah. It's more like my stomach that it bothers. So if you're new to something like that, I try, I would have food in my stomach if you're going to eat it, but that's cool. But it tastes good. And Gosh. And I can do it. I like doing a I'm shot like, of he it. He needs to bottle this and sell it. But wow. oh my gosh, yeah, it's really good. He makes so he calls it Master Tonic, and we have bottles from over the years that are all just aged to perfection. Cool, cool. Um, ginger is another thing that can help with cold and flu severity. So in China and Japan, ginger is a key supportive ingredient that they use traditionally um, in formulas for treating the common cold. Scientific research indicates that fresh ginger has antiviral capacities against certain viruses that infect the respiratory system. Zinc, like we mentioned before, zinc can reduce the duration and severity of a cold if you start it early enough. So according to a review of trials that assessed, um, like a meta-analysis is the type of trial that assesses all the trials that have been done. So any clinical trial, a meta-analysis will look at it. So they did one for zinc, And they found that zinc administered within the first 24 hours of a cold can significantly reduce the duration and severity of symptoms. Mm. Um, The recommendations that I have read are to take about 30 milligrams per day of zinc picolinate or zinc gluconate at the first sign of a cold to speed up your recovery. Mm. And then another good thing you can do is sweat. So in Chinese medicine, sweating is recommended at the early stages of a cold. The best way to do it is to take a nice hot bath or do a sauna. Mm -hmm. Um, Increase your probiotic intake like we talked about and then rest, rest, rest. Mm -hmm. So there's no better remedy for a cold or flu than rest. Liquid, liquid, liquid? Yes. Hydrate. Stay very hydrated. That's important because your immune cells travel through your bloodstreams. And so you want to make sure you're getting lots of water, Mm -hmm. lots of fluids, bone broth, tea, whatever is going to make you feel better. But that way you're optimizing the flow of blood through your body so your immune system can get all of its soldiers to where it needs to get them to. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. And then put on some episodes you want to watch on the TV and just yes. snuggle up. Yeah, give yourself permission to rest. I think yeah. that's so important, especially in today's culture. We have a really hard time with that. My husband, because his job is... is uh, I mean, essentially 100% remote. He can go into the office if he wants to, but he doesn't need to. Um, When he had COVID, it was really hard for him. Like, he was trying to go work. Because he's like, well, I'm at home. (laughs) So I'm already staying home. I'm not, like, infecting my coworkers. And I was like, yes, but working on your computer, even if you're sitting in a chair and you're not doing hard physical labor, is still not 
rest. Right. Like right. it was really hard Let, for his yes. brain to just like be like, yes. yes, even though I'm home, even though I'm sitting and my body isn't working hard, that's right. I'm not resting. So he actually yeah. then at that point, because he was just feeling so tired. Yes. Finally, he took a few yes. days off of work. I think in the work from home, that's especially going to be a challenge for people. Yeah, you're right. That balance yeah. is feeling like your work is in your home. So it's really easy yeah. to just keep doing it because you're like, yeah. well, I'm home. I can wrap up in a blanket and I can drink my tea. Yeah. But that is not resting. You're working. Yes. Your brain is working. That's not yes. the same thing. Yes. And your brain and your thoughts still affect your heart rate variability, which can put your body into fight or flight or rest and repair. Amen, sister. Make sure you're still in rest and repair yeah so then he had to just take a few days off and you know what it really helped yes good and do that we need that well this has been really good Eleni. i feel like i am prepared for this next um season and i'm gonna go buy elderberry liver what's on my grocery list after this episode (laughs) i'll have to go listen to the notes or read the notes zinc garlic 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 okay well we're working on that one but we'll get there (laughs) i just add more when i'm feeling under the weather i just add more garlic to my food honestly yes yes it's a good way to increase your intake just make things extra garlicky and then that way it's more palatable i'm not one of those people that can just munch on a a raw garlic clove but my husband can do that he also can eat raw onion so i just think something's wrong with him yeah (laughs) he's the superman we were talking about earlier he is the the superman Oh, well, thank you for this wisdom again. Yes. And okay, for all of our listeners, go be renegades. Go be renegades. Thank you for listening to the Renegade Nutrition Podcast. Please keep in mind that this podcast is an educational service that provides general health information. The content on this podcast is not a substitute for direct, personal, professional medical care and diagnosis. You should always talk to your doctor before making a dietary or lifestyle change. Go be renegades. Go be renegades.